I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Here we are, episode six of Sex with My Grandma. I'm Liv Simons and I have, as always, Ruth Simons, my grandma, who is a sexologist, psychologist and psychotherapist. Hey, Bubba. Hi, darling. How are you tonight? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Busy day. Good. Uh, I know. Always be- very busy. Lots on. I know. But I can't tell you yes. how excited yes. I am for tonight's episode. Good. So basically tonight we're going to be covering everything to do with fetishes and sex addiction. I am all for this. Okay. Are you ready? I'm yes. so excited. Yeah. As long as you don't jump in and tell me every five minutes that you are every one of the things that we talk about. <laughs> Oh my God, I can't make any promises. I'm already like, look, I've got a lot of questions. Okay. I might have come up with a lot of them myself <laughs> coming from a self-diagnosed sex addict. I'm I, kidding. I don't want to hear. Oh, that's exactly what I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do my best to keep quiet, but you know okay. me. <laughs> All okay. right. Should we start off? Yeah. Okay. So I think we should start off with fetishes. Okay. And I think a really great way to somewhere to start off with would be defining what a fetish is and also what is a fetish versus a kink. Okay. So, Olivia, a fetish yes. is, is similar to a kink and mm-hmm. while there is an overlap, there are key differences. The, uh-huh. the difference is that something is a fetish when it must be present in order for the person to achieve sexual arousal or enjoyment. This can be an act like having sex in public or an object mm-hmm. like feet. Um, rem- oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, remember remember the Fergie story when she had her toes, t- toes sucked and, and it was on the front page of the newspapers and a lot of people uh, like to massage feet and that's really a nice fetish. fetish if you've got a partner that it does that, you can it's actually – nice- yeah, you can sit back and enjoy and have a feet, your feet rubbed. Sounds good to me, have, actually. Have you ever had your foot sucked? No. <laughs> have you? Do you want me to? No. <laughs> I think I have. <laughs> no, but it, it probably could be nice, actually. <laughs> yeah, foot finish for a foot rub. Look, don't mind. Slide no. into my DMs. So high heel boots, um, latex. That's only a few mm. that are listed. Infantilism. The important- Infantilism. Yes. What is this? Yes. Is that when people – no. Uh, yeah, is that when um, people want their partners to like dress up as a baby or have them dress up as a baby yes. and things like, oh, my God, tell yes. me everything about that? What's infantilism? Well, 
It is. It's when people like to wear baby clothes and they want their partners to hold them like babies and treat them like babies and even change their nappies. This screams yes. like mum or dad issues to me. Yes and no, Olivia. There's there's all sorts of reasons why people choose the fetishes that they do and and most of them actually do relate back to things that happen when they are children that they can Mm. relate to the first time that they go through puberty um and and there's some sort of a connection with maybe seeing mum's um knickers hanging up in the bathroom and all of a sudden they touch the knickers and they become the fat, the, the yes, they come obsessed with the knickers, and then that becomes their fetish, you know. Right. Okay. So yes. a fetish is something that you need to have in order to achieve arousal, mm-hmm. and a kink is. Well, a kink is something. Well, the, the, the important thing to remember here is that a fetish is something the person cannot get aroused without, and so it's some, a must have. It's a must have, and some people simply fantasize about their fetish, and that can be enough while others may need to actually engage with the object or behaviour in some way. A kink is something sexual that someone likes to do with themselves or consensually with partners. So like choking or like bondage, like it's not a nice to, a need to have, it's a nice to have. Yes, and even polyamory mm. is sometimes regarded as a kink. And it's All right, I'm going to ask you about that later. Circle back, it, but yeah, keep going. It is something that arouses us that's not considered the social norm. So a kink is, is subjective. Uh, um, example, some of my clients yeah. may see using a vibra- vibrator as a kink, while others see it really? as a kink. Yep. Some very, some, I told you some of my old-fashioned clients are horrified mm. with vibrators and while many consider it as normal aid in vanilla sex. No matter what mm. you're into, the most important thing about kink is consent, communication and compromise. Before trying any new sex act, obtaining enthusiastic continuous consent from all parties involved is an absolute must. Uh, I'm going to tell you a story. Okay. You might not want to hear this. Yeah. But there was a time where mid-sex, don't, don't freak out. Okay. I got slapped in the face. And I was like, that is such a hard no for me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't mind a bit of like rough and tumble, but don't fucking slap me in the face. <laughs> oh, I was like, hard no. And he was like, noted. I was like, weird. So he didn't even ask you first. He just turned around and slap- whacked you around the face. Look, we were definitely going in that direction. There was a lot of like biting and Anyway, I won't go into details with you, but yeah, mm. literally t- like at one point slapped me so hard across the face and I was just like so shocked. Yeah. And like, you know, if you're in that, if you're into that, all the power to you. But I was like, mm. whoa, it's never happened to me before and it's never happened again. Good. Because the most important thing is that you mm. must talk about that what what you and your partner both want and in explicit details. And then you can talk mm. about if you don't align up with what you both want, you can talk about a compromise. But it is important to always have two consenting adults. And if you're asked to do something that repulses you, the answer is do not do it to please your partner, whatever. 
if your partner is I was going to ask you yeah, that yeah. yeah is there like how like is there a compromise like what if your partner is really into something and has a fetish and you're, it's just not your bag like a friend of mine mm. one of her boyfriends wanted him her to pee on him all the time yeah. she did it but yeah. she it wasn't her thing yeah. like she gave it a go yeah. but like not not always yes. and is that like some is that a, a, a hard no is that a well it's, it's a, up to her if she does, if she doesn't mind peeing on him as uh maybe as he you know, it, 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 if it's not really her thing, the answer should be, look, I mm. really don't want to do so. I might do it occasionally, but I won't do it all the time. And if your partner mm. absolutely insists on it, my answer is walk away. Right. Don't, and if Don't it, yeah. do anything that repulses you or mm. your partner insists on you doing and you actually really don't want to do it. Yeah. So on that note, mm. how do you bring up? the fact that you have a fetish. Like I think kinks you can probably nudge in there depending on what they are because they're a nice to have, not a need to have. Mm. But if fetish is something you like have to have to get off, mm. how do you broach that topic with your partner, especially if it's something that's not like considered the norm in quotation yeah. marks normal? Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm, I explained a little bit at, at an, in another podcast, but when you're establishing a relationship, you can test the water by saying that you read somewhere that a couples did ABC and would you like to try it? Um, right. And then you gauge the response from your the, uh, the person. If the person says, no, I'll ne- I'd never do that, you know, that, yeah. well, you know they, they're not into it. They might even turn around and say, I'll try it once and see if I like it. And this applies for like a new relationship, existing relationships, you know, it's all about just like open communication and be like, I think I want to give this a go or I, you know, someone told me about this. Yeah, there's definitely ways to bring it up and you could bring it up in a super playful way as well. Yes, um, but but I often get couples where one of the partners say they insist on getting out of what we call vanilla sex, which we'll talk about. Um, Yeah, I want to know about that. Let's try something different and let's try ABC. And if the other partner mm. says, no, nope, I'd rather die than do that, and the other partner mm. gets really upset about it, and I have to explain to the partner that wants to do it that that there is really and truly there must always be two consenting adults when it comes to sex. It's really important that people understand that. I feel like that's important across the board exactly. in general. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And – so, yeah, <laughs> uh, vanilla sex, talk to me. What is vanilla sex? Is it dead? And, like, do people have a, different variations of what vanilla sex is? And, like, what, like, do you know what I mean? Because I feel like we're all, like, a bit back, like, a bit deviant these days, which actually, actually, are we all a bit deviant these days? No, I don't believe that. I've, I see, it's interesting, Um Vanilla sex only comes boring when it's same old, same old. There is nothing wrong like with vanilla sex. I, like guy on top, girl on top, your orgasm. No, I spoke about this in no. our first podcast. No, vanilla sex is about them. That I, I, to, I, I, I'll bring this up again. That most men are happy to have mm. a wham bam, thank you, ma'am, every day, just like their cheese and ham sandwich. But women get right. bored with this and need affection, passion, surprises, like sex anywhere other than in their bedroom, plus intimacy and what you call vanilla sex becomes passionate lovemaking and it's not about acrobatics mm. in the bedroom. 
So, uh, <laughs> but it can be if you want it to be. It can if you want it to be. So, good old vanilla yeah. sex for most people. Um, initially, when you first meet someone and you fall in love, and you all you want to do is just be wrap wrap Rip yourself around each other for two years. That's that's vanilla mm-hmm. sex to a lot of people, but it's very passionate. <laughs> yeah, I get you. Yeah. I get yeah. you. Um. Okay, so where do fetishes come from? We touched on that just a bit before and, like, you know, saying your mum's undies hanging up in the yeah. bathroom or whatever. But, like, are they are – they, is it nature versus nurture? Talk to me. Um, I have to think about where the um, – it actually comes from uh, – it, it's initially from a multi-sensory experience starting in childhood. Yeah, so it stems from somewhere. Yes. So remember you said fetishes can be created. You can become obsessed with something like the Pavlovian yes. Um, yes. dog and stuff. So they can be created. Yes. But so yet generally they come from somewhere. They come from an experience. Yes, it does. And, and, and it's an experience that when it does happen, it actually turns the person on and they then think they, they couple the experience with arousal and they believe that they can't get aroused unless they have that experience with it. Mm. Right. And do do you see a lot of people come to you with um, fetishes that they want to, in a word, cure or get over? Very, very few people come to me and say they want to cure their fetish. They really what, – what they come through the door with is they t- say they have this fetish but it's affecting their relationship, their work um you know their their social life or whether and they want to actually they want to learn to modify what they do so that it doesn't affect every anything outside of the bedroom or their sex life um i think that's fair enough so they can function they can in fa- day-to-day life exactly, without getting hard on exactly or, yeah yeah and so in saying that are fetishes curable yes can you get over them yes they are. How would you do? Well, it, it, it's it's about uh, learning. First of all, I do psychotherapy with them to find out where the fetish comes from in the first place, where the where the roots are from, and yeah, and also um, by we teach our our clients how to self regulate, and okay. And, how do you do what self-regulation? Yeah, it's self-regulation by uh, – actually, I work with my son who's an expert in this area and with yeah. a – with uh, a com- He's also a, who's also a, a psychologist. A psychologist, I might add. He doesn't have a fetish that he's trying yeah, to cure. He's, he's, he's a clinical. <laughs> I might just slide that yeah, in clinical there. Clinical psychologist um, as well. <laughs> Before he has a heart attack when he listens to this. I'm working with my son on a fetish. He's like, oh, my God. <laughs> no, that's not the case. Um, but but the, 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 with a combination of psychotherapy, um, we, we use EEG neurological biofeedback, which regulates brainwaves because people's brainwaves become affected with uh, certain sexual acts. So we teach people how mm. to self-regulate and uh, and the, the, their willingness to want to give up their fetish, yes, they definitely it can be it can be cured as such. That's what you're that's what you're talking about. Yes. What is self regulation? 
Well, you know, when you feel compelled to do something, and that's what most addictive behavior is about, it's, it's all about not being able to regulate yourself when you feel totally compelled to do something. So self-regulation mm. is, is, first of all, doing exercises like mindfulness and, and the combination of what we call EEG neurological biofeedback, which is a program that we use in our, our office. Um, and it literally mm. down-regulates the brain. It calms the brain down without having to use medication. Mm. And so it also, it's a twofold thing. It, it calms the brain, but it also teaches the clients how to self-regulate so that their brain waves do calm down. Um, and so, so mm. it's, it's become the cutting edge cure for any addiction now is all about self-regulation. Aging. Yeah. 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 So it's like you could basically apply the same rules to quitting smoking to quitting a fetish in a nutshell. Yes, really. Any, 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 any. Look at me. I could, I could be a psycho. I should, could be a psychologist. Look at me go. <laughs> so we also, it's, it's to find out, we first find out the multi-sensory experience where it first started and, and how yeah. to treat and, t- and teach them how to control their impulses. So that's that. Yeah, Fair enough. it can be cured. So you heard it here first, guys. Fetishes can be cured if you want to, yes. but most people don't want yes. to. <laughs> is polyamory a fetish? It is. Can, but maybe maybe define what polyamory is first for those who well, don't know. Um, it it is considered a fetish by uh, many people who uh, are, you know want want to know what polyamory is. Um, but it, polyamory is, is the definition is, is is where people have multiple loving, intentional, and intimate relationships at the same time. It specifically mm. refers to people who have multiple romantic relationships. It does not mean any type of open relationship that may include more casual sexual partners. But I mm-hmm. have in my practice, I've yet to see clients that present in my practice in polyamorous relationships that work long term. Um, why is that? Is jealousy an issue? Yes. Yep. It, it, mm. Jealousy is an issue and, and all the competitiveness, resentment, the mating greed, insecurity, scattered affections, feelings of betrayal, lack of security, all the above. Um, and the research yeah. suggests that open marriages, which is different to polyamory, by the way, has a 90... 90- That's polygamy, no, right? No. An open, an open okay. relationship. A lot of my, oh, me, I'm marriage. going to backtrack. A lot of a lot of okay. my couples come in and say that they're in polyamorous relationships, and when I question them, they're really not having mm. polyamorous relationships. They're actually having open relationships, which means that they are having sex with other people, and and also they go to swingers clubs and they go on. Like dating sites where they hook up with everybody, and that's that's an open relationship. And the success rate of marriages lasting is not. There's a ninety two percent failure rate of an open relationship, marriage or yes. relationship. It's ninety two percent destined to yes. fail. So monogamous that they've, they've they've actually done some research on polyamory, and their relationships mm-hmm. last. 
about the same distance as monogamous relationships. They they run their course. Right. And and really? what I've seen happen in my practice, and I've had seen it over and over again, while they say they love many partners, the truth is that I truly believe that you cannot have an a, a fully intimate relationship with two people at once. I feel that. Do, can I have a question? Yes. If there's okay, so say I am having a polyamorous relationship with two other mm. people. In order for it to be fully polyamoric, mm. polyamorous, whatever, do they also have to be in a relationship as well? Or is it possible that like I have a boyfriend who also has a boyfriend, yes. but I don't have a relationship with his boyfriend? Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Well, if is that well, all that's see, classified that's, as that's polyamoric. Count. Are classified as polyamory if the other boyfriend knows about you and knows that he is in that that his boyfriend is in a loving relationship with you as well. But what, well. okay, so that's still polyamory. Yes. What if I also have a relationship with the other boyfriend? That's still polyamory. Like we if all you love all each live other. Live in the like same house and you love each other and you all. That's <laughs> what polyamory is considered true polyamory Mm. but what I've found is that in every single case it presents in my door and don't forget people come in my door who have issues so maybe there are people out there where it works but I have never seen it that long term I've heard of I've heard of relationships that like polyamorous relationships that work I don't know how long for but I've definitely heard of research is that 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 their relationships last about the same time as monogamous relationships, which is 60% of relationships fail and 60% of polyamorous relationships fail as well. So they're the, they're the first. And then open marriages is 92%. 92% failure. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, and then polygamy yes. is when you're married to multiple That's, yeah, people, different right? Different to polyamorous, yes. Yeah. But, right. but yeah, let me confused. explain this too, that, that, women naturally have a limbic system in their brain and when they have a loving relationship intimately loving relationship it opens the limbic system in their brain Mm. and they become attached as you do when you fall madly in love and want to marry the person have babies with the people and bond like like a mother and baby story and I actually really yeah. do not believe that that happens, that you can have that same intimacy and loving attachment with two people at once. Because I feel like I have that with my friends, not yes. sexually, but like I like love my friends so much. Like I feel like I feel that for every, like a lot that's, of my close friends. Am I no, that means that you're, that means that you're, you can actually love a friend so that you have, an incredible connection, but that's not polyamory because polyamory is all about sex. It means that you have a right. sexual loving relationship. So I liken mm. girls having connections with their girlfriends the same as, as mm. you do with your partners um, and even have a more loving relationship and it becomes more loving because you don't have sex. Mm. Um, and and yeah. once you have sex – um, the relationship becomes conditional and and you have yeah. unconditional loving relationships with your girlfriends because sex isn't involved. 
Do you think every relationship where, like every sexual relationship is conditional? Yes, I do. <laughs> do you? Do you really? Oh, my God. I'm such an optimist. I feel like that, oh, my God, maybe I need to like open my eyes a little bit and yeah, stop being so I, 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 You can have unconditional love along with conditional. I think that, I think that yeah. there are parts of relationships where you love each other unconditionally but the other parts of your relationships where the conditions come into it. So I believe there's a, you have a mixture of both in the relationship. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, sure. Maybe I'll, I'll <laughs> I feel like I need to like reevaluate all my your relationships. My, th- yes. my thoughts. <laughs> yeah, my relationship basically. Um okay, so now I want to talk about sex addiction. I'm so intrigued by people who claim to be sex addicts and I feel like more and more these days people are you know coming forward saying that they're addicted to sex or a sex addict so I want to know a bit about sex addiction and are there different types there of sexual are but addiction? I, need, I do I do sexual. need to tell sexual you first <laughs> that one in 20 people suffer what? with sex addiction now and more and more people are struggling with it um yeah, and sex really? addiction involves real people while the opposite to sex addiction like is porn addiction and that involves a screen. Mm. But now mm. get this figure. There are now 27,000 hits on sex addiction daily on Google. Like people sex, just like Googling what, is sex, what sex addiction is. So what is sex addiction? How do we know if you're a sex addict? What is it? How do you know if you've just got a high sex driver and you're horny motherfucker? Okay. How do you sex know the difference? Sex addiction has nothing to do with enjoying too much sex. It is a treatable disorder and it's influenced by an underlying trauma, abuse or traumatic sexualization. So people with sex addictions seek sex from anywhere that they can get it. They often need increasingly thrilling sexual encounters to fulfill their uncontrolled urges. But most people with sex addiction desire sex from a variety of partners to keep their activity interesting. So many many seek prostitutes mm. or hookup sites on the net. Um, and whereas people when you think when you talk about sex addiction, um, it's it's people who are, and just not satisfied with one relationship, they have multiple, multiple sexual encounters. And but it is it is an addiction. Right. It's an emotional disorder, and it it you know I I say it helps a person feel okay who's broken inside. Oh, yeah. that's sad. And there are two that's types really of sex addicts: children who grow up with abuse, physical, verbal, mental, and sexual. Kids who come from mm-hmm. narcissistic parenting counts as abuse. And these children often mm. look for self-regulation or self-soothing. They learn to turn themselves on mm. for self-soothing when there is no parental care. And these people very, very often become sex addicts as, as they grow up. Yeah. So if they're not doing it purely for the sexual enjoyment and the fact that they have a high Mm. sex drive or whatever, what's their motivation? It's the self-soothing. It it actually releases dopamine and and a neurotransmitter 
it's it's like it's you liken it to drug and alcohol addiction and right so they're looking for that release yes. that hit and that high and, and mm. what happens is that um they it, the if we if we if we go on to porn addiction as opposed to sex addiction yeah so porn addiction yep. um is is where people become turned on by their screens and what they see on their screens and it's like mm-hmm. liken it to people who get addicted to playing games you know those the games that people play oh yeah gamers, gamers. Mm. um high speed internet porn is similar to sex addiction but it is it's like a poker machine the brain goes reward reward and it rewires the brain so that the person mm. feels compelled to do it and the message is i've got to have it i've got to have it but so compulsive porn users and people who have addictions to drugs and alcohol experience structural changes in the brain also functional changes again it releases dopamine dopamine and neurotransmitter the pleasure drug so the brain becomes desensitized and intolerant to the drug and searches for more and that is that they feel a need to raise the dopamine because things that gave them pleasure no longer do so internet porn is not real sex it's addictive behavior and it it has the same effect as high calorie foods which gives us much dopamine turns on to the the binge mechanism so right so it's basically like mm, you're searching for it's literally the same as any other addiction yes but let me tell you what happens which is really interesting is that men become desensitized so i see a lot of men in my practice who tell me they start with heterosexual porn that's what they start with that no longer arouses them so then they turn to homosexual and then they become bored with that too. Then they go to bisexual, mm. then transgender, and it gets worse. I won't tell you what it gets worse after that. But many can- I want to know. I want to <laughs> know. <laughs> I don't think I should tell you on, on this line. But many confess <laughs> that why they then go out and hook up um, with transgender prostitutes just for the experience. And this is what brings them to my door because they're feeling shame and often get caught right. and often get caught out by their partners. So right. Mm. But okay, so in saying that that's a lot about males with like yeah. sex and porn addiction. What about women with sex and porn addiction? So, Same thing? Yes, the women are uh I think I think the statistics now that 30% of women are now addicted to porn as well, but the interesting thing is there's a very big... I thought that would be higher. No, I think women are very ashamed and they don't call themselves sex addicts. Women are called... When when a woman is tells someone that she's got a sex addiction, women are then given the label sluts, whores, and in my days they called them nymphomaniacs. So preach this. I hear this all the time. Yeah. yeah. So women who present in my room um, in the last 35 years, they actually say they're love addicts. And 
that's sweet. Yes, and they, they women women have such a nice way of like yeah rebranding something to make it sound and they yeah and they all have the same core problem. They've all grown up feeling unloved, unwanted, or a burden to one or both parents. And what mm. these women do is they use sex to bring love and intimacy into their lives, but usually choose men who end up reinforcing their unlivable unlivable script. Um, oh my god so going after toxic men that's it I'm an addict it's done <laughs> I told you you weren't I'm allowed. an addict <laughs> I told you Liv you're not allowed to identify with any of this stuff I did my best <laughs> I did my best and so the, the same thing is treatment is psychotherapy to teach them about believing that they are lovable and deserve to be loved um, so that's the cure is based so for, is the is the treatment different for men and women? So women, it's teaching them they're loved and changing that script. And for men, is it about self regulation? Yes, self regulation, psychotherapy, mm. going back to their core roots to find out where they felt um, abandoned as children or abused as children. Mm. Um, and 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 the the interesting thing is that that not there are not many therapists trained in treating female sex addicts and also really? yeah also there's a stigma when women say they're out of control with sexual behavior it's quite i feel like a lot of women would be like would feel shame about admitting that or saying that they're out of control or you know can't control their sexual urges because there is so much stigma around a woman with you know, a healthy sexual appetite not yeah. that sex addiction is about that but anyone like any woman that has a lot of sex is deemed a slut, a hoe, whatever. Exactly. So yeah, they don't present as often as they yeah. maybe should. And shame is a very, very big factor with women, and that's yeah. and and that's they need to deal with their shame as well. Yeah. But so so all in all, sex addiction, porn addiction, and fetishes—they can all be treated. I don't know. You can you can treat it. You yes. can. Yeah, but you can deal with them. You can overcome them. Actually, actually, I've got a question. Yes. What's the difference between a sex addict and a and a cheater? Okay, so there are people who have got the sex addictions, and yeah. they, if if they're single, they're not they're not harming anyone but themselves. But mm. more often than not, when a a man who is in a relationship with a female and say they have porn addictions. Or in a relationship with another male. Yes. Either or. Either or. And yes, and and I see a lot of gay people who have addictive behaviour and actually it, it runs exactly the same way as heterosexual people. and. The, yeah, so it all comes down yes, to that trauma. The betrayed person still feels the same pain, still goes through the grief process. It's there's no difference um, in in the sexuality, but the difference between what you're talking about sex addiction and cheating is that more often than not, um, men and and women who are all gay people when when they get into porn addiction or sex addiction, they actually start to lose their sex drive and they stop having sex with their partners, particularly when they're, mm. particularly when they're watching the screen. The screen totally desensitizes them and they, they, yeah. a lot of men suffer with erectile dysfunction. And also when 
because they're having sex with the screen, they actually, it's a very, very different sensation to penetrative sex with a woman. And so they go off the penetrative sex. And when their partner, the female, finds out or the gay man finds out that their partner has been has been watching porn rather than having sex with them or going to see prostitutes or whatever they're doing it's it's mm. exactly the same as being betrayed by having a, an affair with a, another person and so yeah. um of course they women are become so hurt they feel betrayed and or the man does yeah either like either or, it goes either way either way mm. um rather than keep repeating myself it's it makes it I makes <laughs> no difference whether you're a male or female in a gay or yeah or straight relationship the sex addict yeah. literally just you know it actually breaks the relationship down and again my job is to teach people how they can help their sex addicted or porn addicted partner first of all heal themselves and then I have to go through mm. the job of healing the relationship and it can be healed but of yeah. and but of course the main thing is is that the person has to give up their addictive behavior they have to learn to do that first and and, yeah. and then the therapist has to help the couples re regain their intimacy and their connection with mm. each other trust. yes yeah yes. so all right. yes mm. all right Del. All right, I think I've got one more question. Yes. Maybe if we can do it quickly because we're running out of yeah. time. Um, is there a correlation between ADHD and sex addiction, or in your opinion? Uh, the correlation is that I have seen a lot of guys that present in my room with ADHD that are porn addicts and more so than sex addicts that with the need to, mm. to go to prostitutes yes because uh is that the stimulation thing they need to be constantly, constantly stimulated stimulated and not that i'm saying every person with adhd is a is a porn addict um or a, yeah or even a sex addict um it's just that it that they, they, they also are constantly looking for something to arouse them at the same time yeah. they at the same time they're constantly looking for things to down regulate themselves to try and calm themselves down but it actually has the mm. opposite effect so again I'll, I'll just repeat that not every adhd person is a sex addict or a, a porn addict but a lot of mm. a lot of men who ha and who have adhd are porn and sex addicts addicts as well yeah yeah i thought there might be yeah. i was just curious yeah. someone actually asked me that specifically and i was like yeah truth yeah. yeah um all right one more question and then i promise i'll let you go and you never have to talk about fetishes with me again okay. until maybe until next week, next week. Yeah. okay <laughs> what what are what would you say the most common fetishes are you come across in your rooms and the most bizarre fetishes that you come across well probably in my room the most bizarre uh, fetish was infantilism and yeah. where the partner literally wanted to act like a baby, dress up, want, mm -hmm. wanted their partner to hold them, nurse them, feed them, yeah. breastfeed them, feed them with bottles. But I think 
the bizarre thing that actually where they presented was the the person with the fetish wanted their partner to change their dirty nappy and stop yeah yeah and wow yeah, and it, it it really was a deal breaker i think i don't yeah. like i thought peeing on someone was hectic but no. I mean, that's just next level. Yes. Like, if that's what you're into, go yes, for it. Exactly. But, I mean, not for everyone, that's for yes. sure. and it, oh there's not many people that can actually really put up with that. But um, I've, I mean, that's extreme. It but is like, extreme. Sure. It is extreme. <laughs> yes. Yes. All right. Well, um, I think that's everything. Thank you so much. Like, literally covered fetishes, kinks, polyamory, and sex addiction. Yes. Wait, what a vibe. Yes. Actually, this I'm thinking. Uh, is there anything that I have missed out on talking to you about today? <laughs> You're probably scarred for life after me claiming to be a sex addict, <laughs> running back to toxic men in order to self soothe no. myself and re <laughs> my industry. I promise. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad you're kidding. I'm glad you're telling everybody out there that you are kidding. <laughs> oh, oh, I, 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 I will I, come and find no, out. <laughs> me, I will finish this by telling you that boys are now seeking porn from the age of eight, and are eight? eight from eight years of age and receiving the wrong messages about sex and making love, as they seldom see mum and dad in a loving relationship. So it's now well, and a lot of them can't find the spot. Yeah, if you and know it's what now I mean. well documented that young males are treating their girlfriends very roughly because that's what they see on the porn sites. Um, yeah, and, pe and people now see material in ten minutes that my era may go through a whole lifetime and never see. Um, and mm. I'm going to finish on a note that most boys, by the time they're twenty, have watched porn for ten years, but the interest. Ten years? Yes. That's half their life. Yes, so interest oh wait, you don't mean literally ten years. They have been watching it for ten years. No, not oh sitting not, 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 so not sitting in front of a machine watching a porn, but they have been actually <laughs> but the interesting thing is is there can be there's little research on porn addiction as studies fail to find a control group where they can find twenty men who've never watched porn. That doesn't shock me. Yeah. I think you'd be struggling to find 20 women who haven't yeah, watched porn. I feel like everyone yeah, watches 20, porn. 20 people, I think, because kid, kids wow. get their sex education from the internet and it's really the wrong way. They really should have people like me going around to the schools and teaching people about sex and relationships the right way, not the wrong way. I agree. Mm -hmm. If anyone wants you, they know where to find you. <laughs> Slide into my DMs and I'll set it up. <laughs> all right. Well, this was amazing. I think that's all the time we've got. I think we've run over. Whatever. Okay, darling. Um, mm -hmm. But this was amazing. Thank you so my much. My pleasure. Nice talking to you again. Right. Always. Love all right, you. Darling. Um, all right, guys. As always, please make sure that you subscribe. Um, we love hearing your feedback. So please join the Facebook group, Sex With My Grandma podcast on I just said on Facebook, if you can't find it, just DM me and I'll send you a link. Um, and we'll see you guys next week. Thanks. Bye. Bye <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.